Do you have more pictures of your goats than yourself on your phone? Does your vacation time get spent attending goat shows? Can you have a conversation without bringing up dairy goats? Neither can we. So join us as we talk to the country's best breeders, judges, appraisers, and industry experts about all things dairy goats. We are John Kane and Danielle Caroli. Welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside. This week, we're going to be talking about prepping for breeding season. I'm John, and I'm joined by the rambling, aimlessly woman herself, Danielle Caroli. How's it going? Oh, boy. What What happened? We're starting with that today? Well, listen, I just, I figure, I couldn't call you a rambling man. I mean, maybe I'll just call you the rambling woman for, from now on. We're pretty aimless. Oh boy, how are you? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm doing well. I am I am sick still. Um, hopefully, my voice sounds better than what it sounded like uh, last week with that that after recording uh, recording that I did. Um, I when I listened to that live, I was like, "Holy cow!" I'm like Phoebe from Friends when she had her phlegmy voice. No, it kind of threw me through for a loop when that came on, and I was like, "Who is even talking at first?" <laughs> the best part is it segued into our normal intro, which is your normal healthy voice, right? And so you had this voice that does not sound anything like I've ever heard before from you, <laughs> and then it went back to normal, and so it was very. I don't want to say jarring, but it definitely emphasized the hoarseness that you were experiencing. Yeah, it's it, it's just, listen, summer colds are the worst. I mean, I think everybody can agree with that. So, um, yeah, it's it's not fun. And, uh, yeah, it apparently affects your voice. And I also have to talk all day at work. So that doesn't help. You should just start telling them you have to preserve your po- voice because you have a podcast you have to record. You can't speak I, to them. You have to save your voice. Yeah. Well, yesterday I was wearing our uh, pizza shirt, and it happened to be pizza night for the football team. And so the head coach was like, hey, what's with this perfect shirt to wear? He's like, so who's the most trusted pizza place since 1904? And I was like, well, we are. And he goes, who's we? And I told him, I was like, oh, I have a podcast and explained the whole thing to him. And uh, he's like, oh, he's like, well, that's interesting. And it's like, yeah, you know, he's like, I didn't know that you farmed and then got in this whole conversation. And towards the end of it, he's just like, I might have to buy one of those shirts. It's kind of cool. I was like, yeah, okay, go, sure. <laughs> that's so. awesome. You should also get him listening to the podcast as well. Maybe he'll be a new listener. Uh, if we switch it up to talking about football, maybe. Um, go sports. <laughs> <laughs> no, but listen, sports people can be multifaceted. They could enjoy their football and their touchdowns and all of that fun thing, all of those fun things, and then they could enjoy listening to goat people ramble on for an hour and a half each week as well. Yeah, aimlessly at that. I mean, think about Ryan Reynolds. He bought a football football team. He is an actor. He didn't know soccer or football, and now he has a team in England. Yeah, but that's that's just investing, right? I think that's more fun, but I don't know. Until I see him uh, playing, then I think he's just invested, you know? Well, maybe he's just invested in uh, football and the coach could be invested in goats. That that would be great. You know, I'm going to pitch it to him. Good idea. (laughs) So, obviously I'm sick, but how are you? Like, how's your week going? It's going well. I judged a bit. 
I clipped. Yeah, you judged a, a, quite a bit. And uh, how'd that go for you? <laughs> oh my gosh, we're going all, we're hitting all the buttons today. <laughs> so it was for everyone who listens, n- knew that we were complaining about the heat last week. And let's just say the heat continued and... I was suffering from, I guess, heat exposure and had a little bit of, I got sick judging. I do have to shout out to everyone who was there who basically, as soon as I got sick, they started making sure I had water. I had a like towel to kind of try and keep me cool. Fans were provided. We need IV coffee stat. Get the coffee. Yeah, I I don't think coffee would have helped this situation, to be honest. Um, (laughs) But I had poor exhibitors who were standing with their goats in the ring while I was um, unable to judge for a few minutes and then just worked with me. And so they were awesome and patient and understanding as I dealt with that and it was like heat exhaustion and so it was not fun at all but we all got through it and got home and recovered now and adding liquid IV to my judging bag to make sure that in incidences where it is really hot I'm a little bit more covered in terms of just hydration and not that I wasn't hydrated but I think it was 90 degrees with a humidity that was just insane and it just got to me. So that was the start or end of my week, I guess. And then I decided once the weather finally broke that we were going to start clipping. So I have my kids mostly clipped. I have to do touch-ups on two, but my kids were fair. How are you ahead of me? You're never ahead of me for fair. Listen, I, I like I was just taking advantage of the weather, so um, oh. yeah, managed to get a good picture of one of my kids, and then once the other two get finished, they'll be pictures too. Um, and then we did a milk test as well, and for recovering from insane heat and humidity. My does freaking killed it. And yeah, I think I had two 13 pound um, date uh, milkers wow. this time this test. And so obviously we'll get, you know, what their components are later. But I had a doe that gave just 13 pounds and then another doe who gave 13.3 pounds. So they're definitely this heat much better than I am that is for sure so well I mean it is record heat here in New York right now um well it finally broke yes so we're we're recording on what's is today Thursday or Friday um yes okay yeah it's Uh, Friday Oh, okay, great. So I only have sweet two more days and then camp is over. But uh no, it's today's well, it started breaking last night, but it like ninety-five plus degrees. I mean, there was two days in a row here where the real feel was one fifteen. I mean, I had my girls camped out in the barn, sitting in front of fans. Um luckily for my birthday, Tierney got me these uh these barn fans that you can attach to the wall or ceiling. Mm-hmm. And the does are loving it, like just loving it. So they've been good. Um, you know, one of my bucks, he started acting like he was coming down with pneumonia because of the heat, like just like really raspy and hot and just like blah. Um, and we got ahead of that and he's he's good now. Um, but yeah, it was just this heat is unreal, unreal. So, uh, you know, hopefully everybody else kind of got out of this heat unscathed and i know it's been happening all all over the country not just in the northeast but uh yeah it's just it's nuts um and that was there anything else from your week you wanted to touch on before we move into some ad good news no i think that's it clipping milking you know <laughs> all the ings and that's it so we can move right. in 
my advocate news because there is a little bit to talk about. There is a little bit. Well, I'm going to start it off with like what uh, kept me entertained when I was uh, homesick from work for a couple days. Um, and that was the whole uh, Asha Sanctuary ordeal. Did you hear about this? I actually really haven't. Oh, wow. Okay. So this, this sanctuary lady, uh, her neighbor is a, a beef farmer. He's got beef cattle. And supposedly two of them got out of the fence line um, and wandered onto her property magically. And she was like, well, I don't know whose these are, so I'm going to put them in a pen um, and feed them and water them and love them and take out their ear tags and uh, call SPCA and say, hey, I found these these cattle. Um, and then SPCA was like, well, let me talk to, let me call some of the local farmers, calls her neighbor. Turns out it's theirs. It's a uh, McKee farm. Um, so the farmer brings his trailer over there and says, hey, uh, you have my cows. And she says, well, uh, you can't prove that. So, you know, they wandered onto my property. There's no way they could possibly be yours unless you can prove it um, and pay me ridiculous money because she had them for like a week. Uh, she wanted like crazy room and board for these animals. Um, and she said, then then you can have them back. And he said, well, I can do uh, all of those things. And, you know, if you want to work out a deal where you can purchase these animals, we can do that too. Being very cordial, like far, all, most farmers are, you know? Right. And uh, so... Then he comes back with the cops, same deal. She says the same spiel. Um, and she's like, when the, the farmer says the same thing, you know, I'll work with you. I'll pay you. Uh, I just want my cattle back. I can prove them because they're registered. They're, one of them's my daughter's 4-H steer. Uh, all this all this stuff. Oh, my gosh. So when she, when she hears all this, she gets mad and says, well, you're trespassing. So she pushes everybody off of the property and – that's when chaos ensues uh, and the news news gets a hold of it. And of course this Asha sanctuary is trying to capitalize on it and saying, well, we need donations. You know, a lot of these rescues, they magically need donations and they have all these GoFundMe's that are, you know, Oh, we need to raise $40,000 for this goat that had to have its leg cut off uh, because it had a hangnail, you know, type deal. Right. Uh, so, they're trying to raise money during this whole thing. You've got the farming community coming together and, and basically uh, forming a picket line and, you know, trying to, you know, tell Asha how bad people they're being and to return these cows. Um, you know, she'd go live on Facebook and it was pretty hilarious how delusional this lady was. I mean, it, it was quite obvious that she was just ran by, you know, her whole her whole thing wasn't animals, animals, animals. It was money, money, money. Um, so she she ends up getting arrested. Go figure. Because finders keepers isn't a thing. And <laughs> she gets arrested. <laughs> they have a warrant to go seize the animals and take them back to to the farm that they belong to. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where it's at now. She got, she posted bond, I guess. Um, you know, it's funny cause like, you're like, man, this person's a scam artist. And then you look at the lawyer that they hire and they just got their license back after being disbarred for like three years. So it's yeah. like, man, this is, yeah, this is like, this is, this is wonderful. So, um, congratulations to McKee farms for getting your cows back. Um, and sorry that your family had to go through all that. I think their fair was like this week. So I'd be interested to see if they actually brought their uh, steer there, if they had to, you know, come up with alternate plans. But um, I it, feel I'm glad that the right thing finally happened, you know? Oh, no, exactly. And my heart goes out to the kid, especially. I mean, I'm so glad kind of best case scenario happened. But the thing is, if their county fair was this week, most likely, unfortunately, that animal probably didn't compete to its true potential because I don't know if you've ever seen the behind the scenes for showing steer and getting those cattle finished for that show ring debut, but there isn't, I mean, 
making sure the muscling is correct and the feed is right. And it's just the same as dairy goats and all the prep that we do to bring them into the show ring. But you're also having to halter break animals and keep their heads high. And so having this animal not on your farm because it was essentially stolen from you during this key prep work for fair. I mean, this is her 4-H project. This is what she wants to bring to the fair and show everybody and has been working. I mean, those steer, I don't know what the regulations would be in this county, but I know most steer have to be owned probably nine months at least before their county fair. So they've been working hard forever. And so to have outside circumstances of just this person who thinks either she was going to make a buck or she was helping these poor, poor, neglected animals because they're ultimately going to go into somebody's freezer and like, I'm going to save them and I'm a sanctuary and <laughs> animals and that whole whatever, regardless, I don't think she realizes the implications and the effects it has on youth who's yeah going to work hard and bust her butt to get this animal to the fair yeah it was it was a shame and it just kind of further proves how disconnected people are from farming and i'm glad that it had a great outcome um we also have uh some riveting news that i touched on last week real quick but uh yeah uh lance gerlock has left the associate or has resigned from his position. He hasn't left yet. Um, I believe what did that post say? September 2nd or something like that. Correct. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Lance Gerlach has resigned. Um, I guess I'll stay cordial and say, uh, um, good luck in the future. So, that's what I have to add to that. Did you want to add anything before we move on? Um, not to that. We can talk about the other bits of Adga news. To- sure. So um, director results are in and throughout the country, there are several newly elected directors as well as, um, and with that, some directors who are departing. And so, We just want to kind of say thank you to everyone who served and will continue serving. And then our new directors who will start serving come convention. And you can see the results of those elections on the ADGA website, as well as just a reminder, whenever these ballots go out, be sure to vote. Sometimes the elections come down to only a few votes that make or break an election. And the other thing is, while we now have a whole year until ballots are sent out again, if for whatever reason you didn't receive your ballot and know that that was a thing and maybe life was really busy and you couldn't get the email out to the office to see where your ballot was or whatever. But if you're thinking about it now, you might as well send an email and see what happened so that this way next year you can get a ballot and be able to cast your vote. So um, just something to think about. And again, congratulations to all of the directors who are going to be our director or elected for to serve starting in 2023 and again to those departing directors thank you for your service yes yes thank you everybody um also there was a uh issue that everybody is kind of confused about um that we've seen um from a certain from an individual member um and everybody's thinking it revol- revolves resolve blah, blah 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 revolves around paypal um we had a member that hit the add funds button when they went to add money to their account um, and they paid with uh, a PayPal debit card um, and those funds went to the American Dairy Go Ass, uh, which is short for association. Um, But that's not the account that it generally 
goes to or, and not one that's supposedly not affiliated with uh, ADGA. So they don't know what the, where that money went. Um, this person I know personally is and is trying to you know, rectify the issue. They've, they've spoken with PayPal to let them know that those funds didn't go to the American Dairy Goat Association. So they're waiting to see if they'll get refunded by PayPal. Um, the American Dairy Goat Association says it's on PayPal's uh, end and it has nothing to do with them. So it's um, it's a tricky situation. Um, I wish that the association was handling it a little bit better, but people had questions about that. I've seen throughout the last geez, two weeks now, um, and it doesn't seem like it has anything to do with PayPal itself, just with using like a PayPal debit card, which I'm not sure why that would matter because it's, it's just like a Visa card. Um, so yeah, hopefully the association makes it right. Um, so this person isn't out the $200 that they were trying to put onto their account. And, uh, yeah, just be careful when you're making payments, make sure, uh, those funds get added to your account and something like this doesn't happen. If it does reach out to your, uh, directors. Right, exactly. And maybe the best practice is instead of clicking, because I think part of the issue was there's a link on the website to send money to PayPal, is that correct? Or it gives the email address or something yeah. like that? I'm know? not I'm not sure. I haven't tried it. Um, all, there's ad funds like we all use. Right. And that's what this person used. But there must be like a PayPal button or something because, be, because this person using a PayPal debit card, that's like so much confusion for the uh, team that's, that's uh, taking care of this. Um, they, I think they just think that they're, she used like the PayPal button, but that's not the case. So it's, it's a lot of confusion there. Yeah. So just make sure, I mean, your funds are where they're supposed to be. Continue to monitor that. And then um, the other thing is kind of on communication and things like that. Remember that the call center is closed on Wednesdays and there's been a lot of ups and downs with NG lately um, in terms of being live and updates and when it can function and when it's not. So if you're having issues, be sure to just kind of check and see whether it's on Facebook or there are areas where they will post kind of NG's down, NG's up section. So to save yourself time, if you're struggling, just see if something's up somewhere instead of uh, wasting your time on the phone. Again, the call center does not open on Wednesdays, so don't bother calling because it doesn't even, to the best of my knowledge, it doesn't even say we are closed on Wednesdays for calls. So just wanted to kind of reiterate that because recently there's a lot of it's it's communication on especially on when ng is working and when it's not is not necessarily the quickest and there's been a lot of pauses issues currently so just if you're having issues do a quick search whether it's on social media on one of the district groups and see if there's a comment or something about it being down and hopefully that'll save you a little time and frustration i don't know if that's the right word yeah but, yeah um, well yeah. You know, if you're having ng problems i feel bad for you son i got 99 problems and yeah ng's all of them ng's definitely one <laughs> uh, 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 was there anything else you wanted to add before we move on to our topic which is prepping for breeding season no i think i'm good i think i'm good all right well it's that time of year where everybody's either starting to breed their goats, cedaring their goats, uh, you know, giving them the, all of the hormones or doing it naturally. Uh, everybody's getting ready for showtime. Uh, so they're prepping their girls and they're prepping their boys. And we want to talk about that. So uh, yeah, let's talk first about one of the biggest things we all need to figure out this time of year, uh, which is who are we breeding? Right? So how do you decide what you're, happy number of does to breed is Danielle. Ugh. So 
I don't even know. <laughs> great, I know, great, great answer. But I, and obviously it changes for everybody, but I think the happy number is what you can feasibly do in a non stressful, and I'm saying non stressful very loosely way, and realize that you're going, not only are you going to be dealing with kids on the ground, but you're also going to be dealing with does with pregnancy needs and then kidding needs as far as potential health concerns and potential issues recovering from kidding, but then also milking and that daily and twice daily chores that are involved with that. So I feel like my happy number is always changing and it also does change throughout the year as well when needs of the farm and needs of the life of real life kind of come into play. So for me, I know setup wise, my happy number will never exceed 16 does that I'm well, no, 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 hold up. Don't don't panic yet because I don't think I'm going to be close to 16. But okay. for my setup, I know I can do at max two strands or two strings of eight. And mm-hmm. I would be able to feed them all. And that would probably be my max because otherwise I would have to go a third string of does and milk them in terms of milking schedule. I don't have space for 16 does to have kids on the ground. So that's probably my max of what I have equipment wise. If I really wanted to do um, like really was milking and pushing milking on my farm. But like I said, kidding with kidding, having kids with that would be problematic. I just don't have the setup to have that many kids born and have space for them. So that is another factor in it all. And then the other factor for me is, and I figured this out or experienced this this year, is that whether I want to machine milk or hand milk. And if I'm hand milking, I can only be breeding or milking six does because after that it becomes more of a machine milking program and process for me because it's actually quicker to machine milk those does than to hand milk if I'm milking more than six but if I'm milking under six it's quicker to just milk by hand so going forward into 2023 I do have to decide whether or not I want to hand milk again and keep my numbers very, very strict, or I'm going to make that jump once again and go more towards my normal number of does freshening and again, machine milk again. So my happy number has a few things that influence it, but Mm -hmm. I'm still working and struggling with the happy number for this year, if I'm being completely honest. Okay. Well, yeah. what about You've you? got some time. Oh, me. Uh, my magic number is I tell Tierney how many I plan on breeding. And if I get the absolutely not, then I'm like, okay, now I got to figure this out. Uh, it's, it's, we're small. We stay small. We, um, we've, we're lucky where like we call really hard. So like, it's never like an issue of, oh my gosh, we have to freshen 12 or 15 or 20. Um, it's a, uh, okay, well, I have to freshen the Guernseys this year. Here's two. I have to freshen these goats next year. So uh, we're we're going to be sitting at six or seven, and the seven is if we decide to uh, retire our age dough or not. Um, uh, right now, we're saying we're going to retire, but, you know, who knows? I mean, we'll probably see if there's any interest in kids from her um, when we – you know, post our breeding plans on the old Facebook page. And um, if, you know, we're going to put on there, Hey, if anybody has interest in this, you know, we'll breed her, but we're, we have daughters and we have granddaughters and great granddaughters. So it's kind of like, well, 
she's done enough. We can re we can retire her and know that she's not going to add uh, anything huge to our herd. I mean, she has solid animal. She has solid progeny, but um, you know, we've already got that. So we'd be happy with retiring her. Um, so really it's, it's how many can I freshen and do chores by myself and be happy and not stressed out? And how many um, will Tierney let me freshen? Right. So, because that's a, that's a thing, you know, there's, there's gotta be uh, communication with your, your, significant other, um, when deciding the future of your farm. Um, and we communicate and if she, if she's not comfortable with the number, I'm more than flexible. Um, so yeah, that's how we do it right now. And she's, you're going to kill me because she's going to listen and go, Oh my gosh, that's right. He does this. Do you up that number at first and then negotiate down to the actual number or, um, uh, it depends. Okay. So in years past, yes. Like if, like when I used to be hellbent on, uh, like, oh, we have to, we have to freshen these, these kids that will be big enough and they can be, uh, yearling milkers. Right. Like we were, we were like, we have to do that, you know? Um, but with my herd right now, like it's 50, 50, I've got yearling first fresheners that have freshened lovely. And I've, I've had yearling first fresheners that they did, you know, they freshen lovely, but then as, as a two year old second freshener, you're like, "Mm, maybe they needed time to mature. Right. Right. So, so it's not like a, okay, I need to do this thing. Um, There's one kid in my barn right now that I'm like, okay, maybe I could freshener and she'd be fine. Um, You know, and I'd like to see, some improvements, but, um, I might just play the patient game. Um, and she also, now how about for you? And I'm not even looking at the notes right now. It could be on the notes, could not be, but we're just talking here Uh, for you. Uh, if you have an animal, uh, a junior kid that gets a dry leg, a restricted leg, as we learned from our last week's episode, um, do you, push to get that animal bred if they're large enough during breeding season? Typically that doesn't affect who I'm breeding and who I don't breed. And in the last couple of years, I've definitely been very strict on the number of does I am freshening each Mm -hmm. year. And just based on herd dynamics First of all, it's a lot easier for me to sell a kid than it is to sell a milker, just simply in terms of I'm working with this doe twice a day, we're doing this, she's milking, it's fun, versus a kid where I just don't quite have that attachment to. So I do sell fairly heavily through my kids, and then when I it comes time to deciding that happy number. It's always stressful trying to figure out how to incorporate the next generation in and who that kind of cuts out of my milking program. Because if I'm keeping the same number, if I'm maintaining roughly the same number of milkers, that means some of my milkers have to go. And well, those should be always your first ones to go when you're trying to cut numbers anyway, right? Not necessarily. Oh, those are the first ones I look at. I mean, obviously, if I've got juniors that I'm like, ooh, you didn't you didn't work out the way I thought you would and you're not looking as, as thrifty or whatever, um, you know, your confirmation's not as good, then yeah, I'll get rid of those, you know, weakest link, right? But if I've got a milker that I'm like, mm, and then I've got a kid that I'm like, oh, she could be nice. Like, I'm going to sell that milker first. Well, and so that's kind of where the struggle lies because I look at my herd and I go, okay, who is going to, so for this year, I have, I know I have way too many does to freshen. I, I know. <laughs> you have quite a few. <laughs> I, have quite a few. I have to, so we're milking, currently I'm milking five. We freshened six. I'm retiring one just simply because I know that 
I need something's got to give somewhere. And she mm-hmm. gave me a doe kid this year. And I'm happy. I have two sons in the tank. I have this doe kid. And maybe I breed her next year. She's not that, that old, but she's done everything I've needed her to do. And so I have three yearlings that I need to pull up and breed. Well, in theory, I have three yearlings I need to pull up and breed. And so those would be the ones I would need to make room for if I want to freshen them and bring them into the herd. But as I'm looking and figuring out my numbers, I'm going, okay, are these yearlings truly better than the milkers? And obviously there's the surprise of what that mammary system is going to be, but is it going to kick off a doe who, I mean, this next year, if I were to breed everybody at this moment that everybody who needs to get bred, there would only be a, I think she would be, there would only be one doe who's five, who's not a permanent champion, but she has an 88 as an appraisal score. Then Mm -hmm. I have my two three-year-olds who one has a restricted leg already and their second fresheners, they just really haven't gotten that much time in the show ring. Plus they're a little immature. So again, but their mammary systems are gorgeous and there's all these things about them I really like. And then I have a two-year-old who is a two-year-old and then I have a dry two-year-old who I want to see freshen. So you start to look at these does and you go, well, my milking program is pretty, my milkers are pretty strong. It's a pretty strong show string. So then do I sell a doe that's a milker that I know exactly what she's going to look like or what I would think she's going to look like to keep? Can I justify selling her and the safe choice for this dry yearling who I'm hoping is going to turn out gorgeous, but I don't necessarily know. So there definitely is kind of that struggle in my head of trying to figure out which way to go on that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have that, that same struggle too of, okay, which one and which one and which one. Um, I, I mean, listen, I'm sorry, but it's so much easier for me because I keep a much smaller herd. Um, it's, you know, we're, fre- we're planning to freshen six or seven next year. Like that's, that's small potatoes. Um, but, but eventually we're going to have that issue uh, where, okay, we need to freshen these three and four year olds and five-year-olds and try to get them finished this year or, you know, prove them out uh, or, you know, freshen them, get a daughter and then, you know, send them down the road or whatever. You know, there's, there's tons of reasons why that we come up with on why we want to freshen animals. And I think what it really comes down to is each person needs to, you know, look at what they can handle, what they want to handle and not deviate from that. Cause let's face it. Once breeding season kicks off, we all get excited. I know, I know, I do, um, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait for this one to get in heat and get her bred. And then, like, a doe that you weren't even planning on breeding go, comes into heat, and all of a sudden, you're driving her to Millbrook, New York, uh, to get AI'd, and you're like, what am I doing? You know, right? So, and the, it's, and like, the bucks go into rut, and as much oh, as yeah. we all hate the smell, it must just like trigger something in our brains too, and it's just like we got to get them bred, we got to get them bred, we got to get them bred. Yeah. And I mean, what's the, so what, what does it really take for you? Like what are, what are the the check marks on the list for a particular doe that says, okay, she needs to get bread or okay, maybe I should consider selling this doe. So I think for me, more of maybe I should consider selling this doe is am I going to freshen her and see success in the show ring with her? Because mm-hmm. I I do care in my breeding program about milk and I want to see these does milking well. And I want them to be appraising well too. But at this point, the milk and the appraisal scores, while I do value that in my program, it's more 
for their performance and not for my selection criteria as particularly with milk milk records i love my does and i love them to milk and when they freshen and if they're not milking that may be a criteria that i call for but i don't necessarily let that influence who is going to be who is going to be the breed the bread dough because ultimately what i have fun doing with these doughs or part of what I have fun doing is showing them and I want them to be successful in the ring. So if I can look at a doe and go, you're uh, for instance, I have three dry yearlings right now. I have two dry yearlings who I really like. I want to see them freshen. I have one dry yearling. Well, and of that two, there's one that if I could only breed one, she would be the one I would be breeding. The other one I really like but her rump just isn't quite the same as this doe that in my head is the superior dry yearling. So, you know, push comes to shove and I can only freshen one dry yearling. This would be the dry yearling I would keep. And then the other two would be sold. I have a, my third dry yearling. I have a doe that she doesn't fit in my herd anymore. She has my genetics. She comes from these great animals, but She's not going to be, I can see that at least in my herd, she's not going to be a competitive and strong representation of what I try and bring out to a show. She's probably going to milk like crazy. She's probably going to do well in other aspects, but she just doesn't quite have it together enough to continue on in my herd. So most likely because I'm looking at an insane amount of does that can be freshened, but I need to definitely shrink that number. She's going to be one that is going to have to be sold. And I'll probably end up posting her for sale shortly after fair. And, you know, there's all these things in play with that. But I think about that. I also really liked this year kind of letting fate decide and having a hard cutoff. And it just being what it is. Now, did that hurt me in the show ring? A hundred percent. I have some of my favorites at home dry in the barn, but it helped me keep my number low too. And so that was really nice as well. So does that play into play? You know, does that fall into play? There's all these things. Right. I mean, yeah, you had a weird year. Like, let's just face it. Like you, your, your weird was, your year was weird. You had, um, some of your best goats sitting in the barn just because they didn't make that cutoff date for when you wanted to breed them last year and have them freshen this year. Um, so you probably have a this unique thing going on where you're like, well, I want to freshen a lot because these girls didn't get bred last year and they didn't freshen this year and uh, I want to see them producing again, right? Um, plus you have you know a really nice... Uh, experimental dough there that uh, she needs to lose some fluff now. So, and she, you know, she needs to freshen and she needs to... beard. That's it. She has the, I haven't hit the show ring in a year beard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, you want to see, I'm sure you're just like, can't wait to to see these girls producing again and um, get some offspring out of them again. Uh, Now, since you liked having lower numbers this year, do you think after you freshen those does next year, you might be uh, selling more than you usually would as far as milkers go? I, I think I would start with more. And I think the plan is I'm going to start with more does than I would normally. I mean, we're not normally, but I would start with more does than what would be ideal this year. I, I am looking to keep my milking numbers low. I'll probably bring out the machine again and start machine milking, but <laughs> I am looking to keep those numbers low. But I just, as I'm trying to work through who's getting bread, I'm like, well, maybe I do suck it up and freshen basically, not my max of 16, but like my max of insanity and <laughs> pretty much everybody who sh- should be getting freshened this year 
and then sell once I evaluate the mammary systems and the kids. And maybe that's what we do. But then you have to deal with the stress and the strain of having those kids on the ground and having the newly fresh does that have all their different nutritional needs and their health needs too. I mean, if I honestly, if I could just have my does and just have them in milk and just all of a sudden one day, it's just like, okay, ding, the timer goes off. You have to start milking us now. And that was it. It would be a whole different ball game. Milking is, while it is time consuming, it's also not the most stressful part. It's the kids on the ground. It's meeting the needs while being of kids and newly fresh does while being sleep deprived that really stresses everybody and kind of puts us at the brink. And so that's, you know, yes, I can freshen extra does and say, okay, I'm just going to set plan on selling four does once they're in milk and I can evaluate. But that's potentially, if that's four extra does with eight kids, 10 kids, 12 kids that I have to care for as well. So you just kind of, you just kind of have to balance and yeah, all the dice. Ultimately. Exactly. Um, now, one thing to think about for um, that everyone thinks about is kind of when you're freshening these animals and how close together you want them to freshen or how spread out you want it and when you want to start, when you want to end. So like what's your, what's your earliest, what's your latest that you want a kid? Um, I know for us, um, we like a tighter kidding season and last year it wasn't as tight and it stunk. Um, it was just like, Oh, another one freshening in two weeks, another one freshening in three weeks. It's like, Oh, um, we like it where in a two or three day span we can be done. Um, and we don't, we don't cedar or anything. We don't, you know, give any, you know, hormones or anything to get them to induce them to come into heat. Um, we just uh, have been lucky in the past where once one comes into heat, they're like, all of them are like, yep, 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 let's go. Um, so last year was different, but we like a tighter, um, a tighter schedule. Now, I will say for nationals, if it's like a nationals year where we're planning on going, um, we might space them out a little bit like we did this year just so we have those different uh, age groups. Um, you know, we can have the intermediates, the junior, um, all that stuff. Um but what, what do you like to do? Well, hold on. Before we go into me, what mm-hmm. about timeline-wise for when those does are freshening? So what is your ideal? So obviously you like to kid them out. Uh, but yeah. what time of, obviously breeding, kidding season is when you're going to kid. But <laughs> <laughs> what ask, where in kidding season are you aiming to have does kid? Uh, earliest is the end of the first week of March, latest to the third week of March. I like March kids. Um, I think they grow better. I think by the the time that our shows hit here, uh, the kids are just starting to hit their, hit their stride. And then when we end the season with Dutchess County Fair, uh, those March kids are certainly hitting their stride and looking phenomenal again, because they go through these, especially for my herd, they go through these growth stages and it just seems like these March kids hit perfectly for every show that we go to. Um, that it's just, you can't miss. So, uh, March is great. Um, you know, I've got, uh, an April kid in my barn that she looks fine. She looks a little wonky right now. I've got a May kid who's just a hot mess right now. Um, and I just, I like my March kids. They look phenomenal. So, um, that's what I shoot for. How about you? Well, hold on. I have a follow-up question on this. Oh, jeepers creepers. Okay. Let's go. Listen, so do your facilities though, play a role in that decision to like March kids? So, um, oh, so you're saying, would I shoot for an early, like, why am I not shooting for earlier? Yeah, I mean, not okay. necessarily saying you should be shooting for earlier, but do yeah. your facilities? Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, we milk outside right now on a concrete slab that will soon 
have someday have a, a, a barn sitting on it. Right. Um, so we have a barn for our goats. Um, and if, you know, push comes to shove, yeah, I can milk inside the breezeway of the barn, which is a breezeway that fits about four Johns. Um, so yeah, it's it, like push comes to shove. We could, um, would I want to No. And uh, another major factor in that is from, um, the week after fair, the two weeks after fair, uh, which is in, you know, 10 days or whatever. Um, so basically September to the first week of March, uh, my life's crazy at work. Like just nuts. Um, and yeah, there's some, there's some highs and lows during that time. There's some slower weeks and there's some really hectic weeks, uh, but to try to kit out an animal before my hectic time is over would just not be fair to them, nor myself, nor Tierney's sanity or well-being. So yeah, we, we, we definitely shoot for March for multiple reasons, but one of the key factors for that is my time at work um, is much lower than before that. Right. And it's keeping that balance and trying to make it work yeah. for all yeah. the different aspects of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Tyranny becomes a, a widow during that time period. So for me to add on milking goats during that, um, I just, you know, I really love my, my little family I've got going here. I don't need a divorce. So rumor <laughs> has it it's your time of year in terms of your household, but you know. Yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> <laughs> So now I'm going to turn the tables on you. Okay. How tight do you like your breedings, and what's your ideal time of year, and all that good, good goodness? Okay. So I this year, as people may or may not know, I was very tight in my window, more so than I've ever been in my in the past, because I had to make my life work before kidding season. And then I had to make it work after kidding season. And I wanted to make sure kids on the ground were stable enough for national while we went away for nationals, but also while I was away judging different aspects of that. So I kitted out in what was, I think a month and a half window. And it was amazing in that I typically feed my kids a midnight feeding for the first two weeks of their life. And so with how it all fell, I basically had a few, you know, few early mornings, late nights for about a month and a half. And then I was good. And then I was able to wean my kid or drop my kids down to twice a day, pretty similar timeframes. And so I was actually talking to my vet and he may or may not have laughed at me because, you know, perfect world of what my ideal would be. But what I'm thinking of trying and doing this year is I'm going to figure out how many does I'm breeding and I'm going to break it down into two groups. And Mm -hmm. the first group is going to be my AIs and a few other does, depending on how many does I want to AI I want to AI my do- those does first. And what I'm planning on doing, because I think I like breeding on natural heats better than breeding uh, or AIing on natural heats better than AIing on an induced heat. Not to say that I haven't had success with the induced heat, but for whatever reason, maybe it's just like I'm not mentally calculating. All right, it's been 52 hours. This is when you should do it whatever. I'm more in tune to what the doe's doing, but for whatever reason, I like natural heats. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to cedar my does so that this way they're going to come into heat. And then 21 days later, I'm going to AI them on that natural heat, but I'm going to have- Oh, okay. I was about to yell at you. I was going to like, you you just talked about all this natural heat stuff. This way there, it's a planned natural heat. Gotcha. That's going to be group one. And so then there's going to be my AIs and maybe a few does. So let's say that's half of the milking herd. Then the week after that, because we're talking, unless I keep my numbers really strict, then it's just going to be everybody that one week. But if let's say I'm breeding 12, which 
I don't think I'm breeding 12, but (laughs) just to make numbers easy. So I'm going to breed six that first week. And then I'm going to breed six the following week. So then those does will be good. And then in theory, that second week is all going to be natural service. So then they'll take, and then 21 days later, any AIs will get bred natural service. So they'll own, and then hopefully they'll take in that rotation as well. So that this way in 21 days, I will have, I will be done with kidding. And in theory, the last round will be the least amount of kids. So those two weeks of late night feedings will be that much easier. And my sanity will be restored that much quicker. And then I might just say, if you don't get bred, there's probably, my experimental is probably the only doe who would fall into the, if you don't get bred, I'll make an exception for you this year. But Mm -hmm. have all my does done within 21 days is kind of my goal for this year. And I'm probably insane for trying it, but. Dude, I'm telling you, it's so much easier. Well, and that's what I think it's so much easier in terms like that. What it really worked to have like two or three days of just kidding out. I think I had four or five does kid. Uh, no, couldn't have been four or five. I had three does kid in a 24 hour window, but all those kids were exactly on the same cycle. And then the straggler on the one side and the straggler on the other side, it was so easy because it was all of, you know, a set of kids. It wasn't that stressful. And then once those, that group of kids got through that two week mark, it was all good. I do have to say, I'm trying to figure out what my timing of my kidding season is going to be this year though. That's my only thing because the weather is what scares me. Um, I have to make sure that I can potentially keep my kids in a semi-open barn situation for those first two weeks. And so with that, and it's not open barn, open barn, but it is fairly open. And so if we get the weather that we've been getting the past couple of years for March, then I might have to consider keeping it and keeping kidding in April. Um there are a few things in play, so maybe this isn't even really a worry. But facilities-wise, I do have to consider that it used to be March was pleasant and nice, and I could have kids in March. But if I'm doing and keeping kids for those two weeks where I'm keeping kids this year, or I kept kids this year, if I was keeping them in March there, it wouldn't have really been an option. It was just too cold at night all of these things. So I got to figure out that as well. And that'll definitely influence my timeline more than anything else. For sure. For sure. Um, Yeah. I just, I, I like a tighter kidding season. I'm right there with you. I mean, that way you're not feeding, you know, one group of kids, you know, one bottle a day and the next group of kids, two bottles a day, you know, it can all be uh, somewhat the same. So your brain doesn't break, you know? Now, exactly. We're so we're we're natural heat um, as well. Like we just, I don't like messing with the PG. I feel like you get from what I've heard, lots of multiples of like triplets and quads, and no thank you. Um, so one other thing that I want to kind of talk about uh, before we wrap this up is your first fresheners. Are you? trying to freshen them first? Are you trying to freshen them last? Are you worried about which buck you're going to use on them because of size of kids or um, are you just, you just sending it? So for me in the past, I really haven't considered that as a factor because if I don't have, my thought is that I know some people are like, well, I'm not going to have enough milk to feed kids or what have you. I always go, well, if I don't have enough milk, I'll supplement some way. And mm-hmm. I can supplement and get through until 
a dough or another dough or two freshen and hit the milk stream. But that being said, I also am only freshening two to three first fresheners. So chances are, for the most part, they're freshening right along with some of our older doughs anyway. And if they're, and usually my doughs will milk enough that unless something is insane, they're going to be able to supplement their kids. I, if they can't supplement their kids, there's something wrong there anyway, at least in my herd. I, um, that being said, does it help to decide, like, can you freshen if like, let's say you have 10 first fresheners, mm-hmm. freshen those 10 does first. So this way you can pick through really quick and go, okay, of these 10 first fresheners, three I'm keeping, the rest I'm selling. Let's get rid of them and get rid of their kids so that this way they're not stressing the system and I can freshen my mature does. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I think for us, what we've done in the past is we tend to push our and when I'm saying first fresheners, I'm not worried about my dry yearlings that are getting bred, right? They're plenty big. Um, but it's the the freshening as yearlings. Um, those does, I think I think I, I subconsciously tend to have them go uh, uh, fresh and last. And yeah, milk does play a part for us. You know, we, we have um, productive lines, but they're not the most productive lines, right? Um, you know, we've, we've had does that we've probably kept a little too long because we're like, man, she's feeding four or five kids by herself each day. Um, thank God for her. Um, so yeah, like milk does play a part right now. Um, once these bucks kind of infuse the productivity, it won't be so much of a reason for us, but yeah, we do tend to freshen those, uh, first freshening does and especially the yearlings later, um, you know, towards the end of March, uh, than, than our mature does. You know, I like, you know, in the past, it's like, okay, gems bred first. Great. You know, any year that we did that subconsciously, it's like, oh, it worked out so well. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what, how we play it. No, and that makes sense. And I remember I had a doe who kitted early from an emergency C-section. So her kids were five days early. And then she was recovering from the C-section. She really wasn't, you know, she does, didn't eat quite away. She didn't really come into milk until later in the year. And then I had a doe that was kitted a couple days later. So they were supposed to originally kit around the same time. But it was really nice that once that second doe kitted, and she actually was a first freshener um, at that time, she was able to feed all five kids with what she was producing with a little help from the second dough, but she was still recovering from that C-section. But in the meantime, because it was only one dough and her kids, I was able, it wasn't that big of a deal to just grab some milk. And I was just feeding a uh, whole milk that cows hold milk and was supplementing with that. So it definitely has its trade-offs, but Again, that was only three kids, so how much milk we were going through wasn't too insane until we right. had that pickup and help. So, but it is things to consider as we get excited and we see a doe in heat and go, okay, let's breed this doe. You know, do we have to pause and go, oh, wait, you know, she's not necessarily the doe we want a kid first because she's not going to have the milk production. Or you hear about the does who have the mastectomies. And so, yeah, you're probably going to want to make sure she's not the first doe to kid because obviously she has nothing to supplement her kids with. So maybe she yeah. does get later or you you just know that you're going to be feeding her kids milk replacer or whole milk, whatever works for your operation. For sure. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so I think that's that's a good spot to wrap it up. Next week, we'll we'll kind of delve a little bit further in while we're talking about our breeding plans and schedule um, and why we make certain decisions. You know, we're talking about when and timelines and stuff like that. Now, uh, next week we're going to be talking about the whys 
why we're choosing one buck over another with one doe. And, and, you know, we're not going to be, um, it isn't a, Hey, we're going to promote our herd type deal, but we're going to use our herds as examples. So you're going to hear a little bit about our herds as well. Uh, Danielle, this has been a really good episode. Was there anything you want to add before uh, we get into the socials and all that good stuff? No, I think we're good. Yeah, it should be exciting next week. As John said, we'll kind of work through our breeding programs and share a little insight of how we decide who gets bred to who. I mean, basically, you know, behind the curtain, we just pick a name from one hat and pick a name from the other and go, okay, that works. Um, Mm. that's how you do your magic huh all right all right well that's good to know uh yeah danielle if people wanted to find us on the old interwebs where could they do so as always you can find us on our home on the web at dairygoatpodcast.com we have our merch store there as well you can find us on Facebook if you search Ringside and American Dairy Goat Podcast, on Instagram at ringside underscore goat underscore podcast, and Twitter and TikTok as well. If you search Ringside and American Dairy Goat Podcast, you'll be sure to find us. And as always, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating, listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yes, we do appreciate it, um, everybody, for listening in. And if you want to give us a rating and all that jazz, we'd appreciate it. Daniel, um, really appreciate you joining me, as you always do. Um, and everybody else, thank you for joining us. This has been Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John. And I'm Danielle. We'll catch you on the next one. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.